Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. LMFM Sunday Sport. With thanks to the LMFM app. Download for free now and take us with you everywhere you go. You're welcome back to LMFM Sunday Sport. David with you here until half past five on this bank holiday Sunday. Now, Ireland's performance at the Women's World Cup and the future of manager Vera Pau have been two of the hot topics of discussion this week, with some believing that Pau has come to the end of the road, while others think she deserves at least another campaign at the helm. The FAI's decision to not award their manager a new contract prior to the World Cup, along with a lack of public backing from her players, would suggest that she has perhaps managed Ireland for the final time. Owen Kowser of the Irish Sun got back from Australia earlier this week and I caught up with him yesterday to discuss what might happen next. Okay Owen, so welcome back. You're still readjusting to Irish time, are you? Uh, yeah, still a struggle. Staying up later but um, I'm now realising there's two five o'clocks in every day. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it, it's a, a nice trip to get, I suppose. Just in terms of the... I'm always curious when, when journalists go away to, to World Cups. Do you get a, a kind of a schedule or a, a sort of a a roster in terms of how many articles you have to file or is it just kind of as and when? How does that work? Um, well, no, we spoke beforehand and it was kind of more so with the time difference to let me get a head start before midnight. It was just kind of agreed, like we were going to do two pages most days, more around games. Um, I think we by and large stuck to it. I think it changed a bit, like things always happened. Uh, that Columbia training game, like that should have been and nothing game, but it became bigger as the day went on. I know it was well, online. I know it was one, probably the most read story that day, not just in the sun, but in quite a few other websites as well. So there's always things that change and it just become pretty intense. And with the time difference as well, you know, there was, there was lots of late nights. Mm. And I mean, there were so many stories come out of the, the world cup and we'll get to the, to the most recent ones um, shortly, but in terms of the on the field stuff, obviously a narrow defeat to Australia in the first game, uh, kind of a soft penalty to give away. Um, and maybe that sort of set the tone because you're up against it then straight away. But in terms of the, the performances of the team across the three games, and, and we know Vera Pau has kind of cited the, the Nigeria game as her proudest moment, like holding them to a nil-nil or coming out of that with a nil-nil, whatever way you want to look at it. But from your point of view, did you think that the team achieved its potential in those three matches? Or, you know, again, Vera Pau has said she doesn't have any regrets about it, I think, and, and that she wouldn't do anything differently. But... Maybe that's just a bit of Dutch stubbornness creeping in. But did you did you think that they they left it behind them and it was a missed opportunity for them to to come out of the group and to do a little better? Um, I know this sounds like I'm sitting on the fence, but I really think we don't. It's it's a hard one to dis- discuss. Uh, going out going out to Australia, I mean, and I know 
from discussing with a number of journalists actually on, before it all started. We were like, we were thinking, is this going to be Euro 2012 or Italia 90? Mm, and yeah. You would have feared 2012. I didn't think the build-up was particularly good. Only scored in one game in 2023 before going out there. All the goals from set pieces. The whole new for, new system to keep the ball better rather than be this team that, well, defended and hit teams on the break. There, there wasn't a lot to be, be confident that it could work against, like in Canada and Australia, two of the best teams in the world. So I think going out, my expectation was low. How they then performed against Australia to keep them close, I think you thought, oh, maybe something could happen. And I think Vera Pau is almost that. Had they got tanked in the first game, maybe there'd be less discussion about her future right now. But the fact that it it became closer brought that in. And now, and now if you look at how other teams are doing, like you watch Jamaica going through, yeah. uh, some incredible results, Morocco going through, like even teams that didn't go through, Portugal were at the width of a post away from knocking out the USA. Suddenly, Ireland's near miss wasn't that close at all. So I do think it's changed. And could the team have been better? You have to think yes, the way things are going. Now, I do temper that with the argument that Ireland's best performance was the first 45 minutes against Canada, which it was. Mm. But Canada came out in the second half, changed it up, and Ireland's best was nowhere close. The only reason that was 2-1 in the end is because Canada missed a lot of chances. So are Ireland close to getting to the last 16? I honestly don't know. But I know they couldn't have done much better with the tactics they used, in my view. And that's where I think the discussion is. Like, should Katie McKay be playing left wing back when I'd rather her have 10 touches around the penalty area than 50 touches in her own half? Mm. Denise O'Sullivan says herself that her best game was Nigeria because she was played in her natural position rather than too deep. So... Ireland qualified for the World Cup because the pair of them did play further forward. And if you look, they they delivered. Like Denise O'Sullivan scored winners against Finland and Slovakia. Katie McCabe scored crucial goals against Sweden and Slovakia. Both of them had hat-tricks uh, against Georgia. But Ireland wouldn't be at the World Cup without Katie McCabe and Denise O'Sullivan playing in their best positions and doing what they do best. Mm. And suddenly we went to a World Cup and they weren't there. But they, they were playing deeper. Yeah, You have to ask... Is that is that right? Vera Pau says yes, but Vera Pau says if she had to redo it, she'd do the exact same thing again, which means Ireland are still coming home. Yeah. And I think that that's the crux of the issue here. It's not, did we underachieve? Could we have done better? It's, we couldn't have done better because Vera Pau just says herself, she doesn't think they could have, the team could have done better. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting what you say about the, the, the shift in tactics. Like, was there ever any kind of clarity given on why there was a change? I know a lot of people this week have, drawn parallels between Trapattoni and his sort of intransigence around formations and, and style of play and, you know, constantly pointing out the limitations of his squad and that kind of thing. Now, in fairness to Vera Pau, I don't think she's been quite as bad as Trapattoni on that front, but she has certainly stuck to her guns on that formation. But was there ever any kind of, as I say, clarity given in, in terms of why she was sort of insistent on playing those two players, as you say, maybe not in the best positions all the time or certainly not in Katie McCabe's case at all? Yeah, um, there was kind of like, I think you have to go back to uh, March when this all probably started, you could say. Like the, like the team, is, I mean, anyone who watched the qualifiers, this was not a good team to watch. They they got through, they defended, they were set pieces and they had two world-class players. And that's what they did. And it was very, it was effective because Ireland reached the World Cup. Mm. Uh, the, I remember the China game, I think that was February, uh, was a nil-all draw. I remember a lot of the commentary around, around that game was that people, the team were rubbish to watch, which they, to be honest, they are. 
then I remember Karen Duggan wrote a column basically saying Ireland could go home drawing every game nil all, which to be honest was pretty accurate. Ironically he's enough, three nil all. Yeah, ironically enough, three nil alls would have got Ireland through to the last sixteen. Um, but I remember talking to Vera Pau after that. She was saying, like, she was saying, which if to change it, you can't play Heather Payne up front. You have to do this. Kira Caruso would have to play. You need players wide to do it. With that. So I think it became almost more for her. A, a coaching manual rather than use your best players in their best positions. Mm. And she did try and change it. The team did get better at holding on to the ball, but I think they became more toothless. And I think that's where it went. I wouldn't say she was like Trapattoni. I do think she was trying to evolve the team. She did recognise like where where were the goals going to come from. But, but at the end of the World Cup, like Ireland have scored four goals in 2023. Every single one of them was off a set piece. Like yeah. You can't rely on Katie McCabe scoring from corners every time. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. like, I suppose there's so much, I mean, so much, it feels like so much has been packed into the last few weeks. There was the pre-World Cup press conference when the, the Athletic article was discussed in, in detail and Katie McCabe was obviously furious about that in terms of the, the lack of focus that she saw on the World Cup campaign itself. Albeit, you know, questions did need to be asked. Then there was the Columbia game that you mentioned. We've had the three matches now. We had the, the little spat with Katie McCabe and Svira Pau towards the end of the Nigeria game, which I'm sure you're aware by now, but for us watching it, I was watching it here at home, and although I don't want my boss to hear about that, but I was watching it here in the background, and you heard George Hamilton just referencing, I think I think the Nigerian keeper may have had the ball in her hands at the time, but you heard George Hamilton referencing, oh, there's a bit of a conversation being had down here between Svira Pau and Katie McCabe. And again, I know this has been discussed widely, but it would have been very easy after the game for her to bat that away and say, look, Katie wanted me to make a change. I didn't agree. That was all there was to it. But she, and I think this is where the discussions around her future maybe have taken a little bit of a turn because for her to kind of expose Katie McCabe and also Sinead Farley in terms of dragging her into the conversation around, you know, and again, we're not 100% clear whether she actually, whether Katie McCabe mentioned Sinead Farley by name or said she wanted fresh legs on her side of the pitch. But that, I think, was a for people maybe who who are backing her to stay on, I don't think that would have done her any favours because she was, and she still is, I think, very popular. And we saw that on Thursday with the homecoming. We'll get to that again in a moment. But that kind of tendency to be a little bit too blunt and a little bit too frank after games, what did you make of that? Because I think everyone was quite surprised the level of detail she went into when she was asked about that question. It would have been very easy to, to bat it away, but she was keen, obviously, to for whatever reason, to to get into the detail on it. Yeah, I don't think she can stay on because of that. And right. up until that point, um, well, that was definitely the tipping point for me. Uh, I know in a lot of the commentary between the Canada and Nigeria game, when the stuff I was writing, stuff other journalists were writing, people began to think it was a media conspiracy when like, for two, two, three years now, there's a lot of players around that camp or in that camp who have not been totally convinced or on Vera Pau's side. So there was, there's always been that bubbling under the surface. I mean, about training methods and stuff. And when the results go wrong and seven weeks away, they obviously come more to the surface. Suddenly that game, the row seemed to make it a little public. You're right. I mean, I've, I mean, behind closed doors games, we could all hear what players were shouting. And it, it wasn't, wasn't uncommon to hear a player telling a manager that another player wasn't doing their job and that sorted out, things like that. Is that so, in the in the in the Ireland women's team or just in general? Oh, just in general. No, right, in yeah, general. yeah, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. like it, these things happen. Like, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, the the shout I heard, well, Katie McKay was says is we need to freshen it up. Which seventy minutes into a game, 
yes, I'm, you know, it was nil all. There was nothing to lose. It was time to go for it, in my view. I could see why a player would say it. And yeah, if she just said, oh, players get emotional, things happen, I have to make a decision as a coach. But to bring that out, I just can't. I think it is the tipping point. I just can't see how she stays on. Imagine if she's the manager at a pre-match press conference before in Northern Ireland in the Aviva, which sitting beside Katie McCabe. We're not talking about an historic first Ireland's international in the Aviva Stadium. Um, and yes, people will say, well, that's the press again. But no, because that's because people want to hear. And if Katie McCabe isn't there, it's a bigger story. So this will drag on. And this Nations League coming up, it's actually bigger than the qualifiers, just in terms of you win it, qualification becomes down to a play, base effectively a playoff against a weaker ranked team. If you don't win the Nations League, you have to qualify for that playoff against a stronger ranked team. So these Nations League games are huge. And Ireland are the strongest team in League B, not just the group, in all of League B. Not not winning the Nations League would be an absolute failure. And I don't think this team can, is good enough to win the Nations League while dealing with a whole fallout from something else going on at the same time. Yeah, and I guess, again, before probably before that, that press conference after the Nigeria game, you know, I heard various pundits and I saw various articles that were suggesting that the way she had been treated by the FEI in terms of no clarity on the contract before the World Cup, that Vera Pau should just, you know, say right to hell with you is I'm walking away from this and leave it at that. And I think when she gave that post-match after the Nigeria game, that's probably what people felt she was going to do, that because she was maybe she was maybe going down swinging here, she was burning her bridges, but she was going to take a few people with her. Then on Thursday, we have the, the homecoming. She's dancing a jig on the stage. She's taking the microphone and saying, next time we're going to go for medals. So there's no chance of her walking away here. She's, she's going to make the FAI make a decision. And we know that this review is coming up. And I read somewhere during the week that she'll have a chance to sort of stake her claim. I don't know if you'd call it a reapplication, but it struck me as a bit unusual. But maybe, maybe that's how these things work. But she'll have a chance, I guess, to have her say and have her input, which is probably fair. But you mentioned that game in September. It's the 23rd of September. So what are we talking? Six, six weeks away, maybe. They don't have a whole lot of time here to make this decision. And it's the fact that Vera Pau isn't walking away, and maybe the FAI hopes she would, but she clearly isn't going to do that. It, it's going to be difficult. They need to make a decision pretty quickly. This review is going to have to be fast-tracked, I would suggest. So it's on a number of levels, it's a little bit messy now and a little bit complex. Yeah, but I do think they can uh, operate it fast. I mean, as you mentioned about Vera Pau not walking away, I mean, She's an incredible operator, just in terms of she knows she's hugely popular. Like, I mean, like what she's created history for Ireland, uh, and just other little things like, for instance, that Columbia game uh, when it was abandoned. Like press conference the next morning, like overnight for for you, she was straight away saying, "Yeah, when when I did it, um, I made sure that uh, Mark Hannum, the director of football, who just arrived in Australia, and I think he missed the first few minutes of the game." You know, I spoke to him and he spoke to Jonathan Hill, who I think was still in Dublin and but about to move to Australia that weekend. Mm. So like straight away, it wasn't her and she spoke to her players. It wasn't her decision and her decision alone. It became an FAI decision. Right. So she's an astute operator and she knows how to deal with people and like she's like she's not going to be hung out to dry by herself. She's like that the Columbia game, like we still wonder, like, why would you call off a game like that? It was an FAI decision. Vera Pau made sure everyone knew it was an FAI decision. But you mentioned the review. As I said, Mark Hannum arrived out there. I think that was July 14th. 
Jonathan Hill arrived out at some point over that weekend. So those are the two people who will be giving the review to the board from that point of view. They were staying in the team hotel. They were traveling with the team. They were regularly seen like in FAI tracksuits going to train and they've seen everything. Jonathan Hill also has been speaking to a senior group of uh, the players for probably since he, he came in in 2020, 2021, that, that lockdown era. Uh, I know the players have enjoyed speaking to him. They think he's very receptive to their ideas and like it, they're not, I'm not saying they're talking about the manager. It's about sure. conditions, everything that the equal pay came out of talks like that. Um, so they should have that review done. Um, we asked Jonathan Hill said before going to Australia that he would talk to press in Australia. He then refused saying he has to do the review. So he, he seems to be just hiding behind that kicking for touch at the moment until they make the decision. I expect it to be done very quick. Um, I heard in June that talks were going well about a new contract and then suddenly they're just radio silence. Uh, it coincided with the Atlantic piece coming out. Um, I've no, I've no reason to say this, but I could understand if the FAI saw that coming out and was just thinking, we can't be dealing with this again and again and again. Vera Pau wants to sue. She said she was going to sue after the World Cup. Right. Something good come out. Like, sorry. From her point of view, she could clear her name, which would be great. Um, like it's terrible that her reputation is damaged by hearsay at the moment, sure. but you just don't know. There's all these little factors going on. Uh, but given that the, that that was what six weeks ago now. If the FBI want to change manager, they've had six weeks to get the lay of the land on this. There's a lot of good managers at the World Cup whose contracts are ending very soon as well. Mm-hmm. And then if people want to look to England, if they want to look in house, there, there are options there if they want to look that way. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And the other thing on that subject, and you touched on it earlier, and it it became so apparent the longer things went on, the more time passed. Not one player came out and said they wanted her to stay. And it would have been, I was chatting to somebody about this the other day and and a friend of mine, and he was like, well, you know, players players don't tend to kind of speak on things like that, which I was like, well, no, they, they can express an opinion. They can say, 
I would like her to stay. Or, you know, we've seen this countless times over the years if someone's asked about it. And it's the easiest thing in the world to say, even if they don't believe it, if it's just an easy get myself out of out of jail here. Yeah, love for the manager to stay, doing a great job, very popular. The fact that none of them said it, and actually, it actually got to the point where they were given the same answer to such an extent that I wondered, and this is just my own personal theory, I wondered if someone in the FAI had said, look, we're not going to be keeping her on, so we don't want any players coming out in support of her. I'm not saying that that's what happened, but definitely there was there was no willingness from any player to come out in support of Europe, which is probably, with all the other stuff that's going on, it's probably the biggest... Um, the biggest problem from her point of view in terms of getting a new contract that she doesn't seem to have the, the support or the love of the players particularly. Oh yeah, and um, I'd even go back further. The France press conference you mentioned earlier when Katie McKay was obviously livid. At one point, I think it was a question addressed to Vera Pau about like, do you have the support of players? And she said she does and go, would you like them to basically, I think thinking back to like Saipan and Niall Quinn reading out a statement backing Mick McCarthy. Yeah. Like was kind of, that was the, tenet of the question and Katie McCabe cut across her and says those discussions will be had in-house so Katie McCabe didn't want it to become a story at the time and just and they they like I can understand like what it, Katie McCabe didn't want the distraction anymore that was quite clear from that press conference she just wanted to talk about France and she was hating every moment of that press conference then you go as you mentioned the players over last weekend like we spoke to four or five players in two days Every player was asked about it. Um, you're talking about Lily Ag has won all her caps under Vera Pau, you know, Lucy Quinn, similar. All of them were just, oh, were just concentrating on the game. You know what I mean? Uh, it did sound like it was an agreed line. Um, where, where it was agreed, I, I don't know either, but that's what they were all saying. Um, and it would have been so easy, like so many players. They, they had reason to say Vera Pau was good to them. They didn't have to say, I wanted to stay on. They didn't even say that. I think Megan Connolly did say, that um, she's enjoyed playing under Vera Pau, but she was the only one. The rest of them were just, oh, were just focusing on Monday or the Nigeria game. It's really, it's really odd, isn't it? Really, when you think about it, though, and like we've qualified for our first ever World Cup. A lot of those players have, as you said, there have been given, you know, the, the bulk of their caps under Vera Pau, or you know, a good chunk of their caps under Vera Pau. The profile of the team has increased massively. Like, if you were given all of those facts in a line, you would assume that the manager was very popular with the players. It's and the other side of it is that they've managed to qualify for a World Cup. It almost seems if the relationship the relation between the players and the manager isn't good. And in spite of that, they've managed to qualify. So it's very hard from looking from the outside in to kind of make sense of all of this and to figure out why it is that she doesn't seem to be popular and why it is that it doesn't seem that the players want her to stay because it, it definitely seems like they don't. And yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's just a very strange one. And like... I've been hearing for at least three years grumbles about training or grumbles how she did some things, but to be honest, you always kind of discount them because like the grumbles normally come from the disaffected. Was it Malcolm Allison who once said that the key to good management is keeping the five players who hate you away from the six who like you? Um, so there was always an element of that. I mean, as she says, like Vera Pau says herself, she needs complete control. So I, I like in camp, I would say she's, you know, an overbearing influence. She has her way of doing things that then um, the Houston Dash stories showed that where players were, you know, going off for secret training because Vera Pau, like she says herself regularly, she doesn't believe in weights, things like that, which you've got like a lot of Ireland players are at very good clubs or have been at very good clubs. They, they, they see how things are done in the WSL or in the NWSL and it's done differently. 
So they would have those views. And I th- but I think it just comes down to, as always, when results go well, nothing matters. Mm. When you're away for seven weeks and, you, and you're out of a World Cup, it does change. And I think Lily Ag described it as like living in the Big Brother house out there. Like, these things happen. If you're winning, it doesn't matter. If you're losing, they become a bigger issue. Um, as I said earlier, I do think Vera Pau highlighting her discussion with Katie McCabe um, in the Nigeria game, I think is the tipping point because now it's all out in the open. Yeah. And then we've no kind of timeline for this FAI review. As you said there, you know, Jonathan uh, Hill and Mark Hannum were out in Australia for long enough. So you would like to think that they were they were tipping away at this review as the World Cup was going on rather than waiting until they got home to start it. But, you know, time is of the essence with that. But at the same time, they probably have to be careful, even if there is a decision that's already been made almost. They have to they have to go through the process. They can't be seen to rush this mm-hmm. review because then it might look like a fait accompli even before the review is completed. So there is a, a sensitivity there in terms of, you know, giving a credible amount of time to this review with the, with the, the caveat that they're playing again on the 23rd of September. So they probably need to make it, I don't know, you're talking about having it done within the next two weeks and having it out there Um they they need to get it done pretty quickly and make a decision here because that game on the twenty third, first ever game at the Aviva, it, it'd be a, sh- a real shame in a way for all that she's done if Pay wasn't going to be there. But you know, I read your piece during the week, and you know, you were sort of saying it's, it, that they move, need to move on from from the Pau era. Is that your sense? And do you expect the decision to be made in the next week or two, or how long do you think that might take? Uh, I think it'll be made by the end of the month. Um, Pau is still under contract at the moment; it expires this month. Uh, but I, I would expect a new manager to be in place fairly quick. Like Whether they go short-term and caretaker straight away, I just think this Nations League is far too important. Having qualified for the World Cup, Ireland have to make sure they're at the European Championships. And the easiest way to do that is to win the Nations League, um, which is obviously going to be over by December. So it's six games. It, you need to hit the ground run and, and go fast. Now, it's very winnable, this group. Northern Ireland don't have a manager at the moment themselves since Kenny Shields uh, left, I think, seven months ago now. Mm. So it, it, it can be done, uh, but I would expect it by the end of the month. Uh, and listen, they, they could turn around and decide to keep Vera Pau after they speak to her because like, I don't know what other options they think they have. Like As I said, there's a lot of managers in, at the World Cup out of contract. Do you want to wait and talk to them or is Vera Pau still the best option? Personally, I don't think she is because it does seem there's too much of a fracture with that dressing room right now. Is uh, Philip Trussier available? He must be still knocking around. <laughs> he always is. <laughs> I, I believe the Denmark manager is the the one everyone wants. Uh, I think they got knocked out of the World Cup the other day or maybe it's tomorrow they're playing. Uh, but no, I know they're out of contract, so they might be a good one to go for. Yeah, well, we just have to wait and see. So, yeah, it's been certainly been dramatic. Uh, there's never a dull moment in Irish football when it comes to World Cups, that's for sure. Just before I let you go, uh, I know you've been out of the loop on the League of Ireland front. You missed all the excitement at, uh, at Daily Mount on Friday night. But uh, a couple of big transfers um, in the last week. Max Matta is away to Shrewsbury. Um, Maddie Taylor, the former Portsmouth and West Ham player was actually at the Sligo Drogheda match in uh, Weaver's Park last week watching. We were led to believe watching Nando Pinacker and Max Matta and then maybe Nando Pinacker didn't do himself any favours. He made a bit of a mistake for the second goal. But Max Matta's gone and of course Manny Adegboyega um, gone as well to Norwich. It was actually announced over the PA system at Weaver's Park last week that they wished him all the best and uh, I don't think that announcement was supposed to go out because nothing had been done. No medical had been done. No contract had been signed but it was announced during the week that he's gone. And his progress, you know, he came in. He came in from Dundalk, 
I think he kind of snuck out the door at Oriel Park when Stephen O'Donnell wasn't looking and he signed for Drogheda. Didn't actually start the first game of the season. But then uh, Ben Curtis obviously gets injured and, and we know what happened there. He's, he's finished up and Manny comes in and, and does so well. And now halfway through the, the League of Ireland season or a little bit over the halfway through, he's gone to Norwich for €90,000, we believe, plus a good number of add-ons. But what have you made of, of that particular move? Because obviously the matter one is a big blow for Sligo, but from a draw perspective, Manny Alec-Boyega and Jamie Egan came in on Friday and did quite well. But um, a huge, huge move for him and, and his progress has been has been really meteoric. Yeah, um, to be honest, Norwich actually looked at him in January and were seriously considered going for him. And now the way it's happened, I kind of assume they were looking at um, like they were watching him in 19s football and they just weren't sure. So I do think it was going to draw it as being the making of him because suddenly he was playing men's football. He was playing very, very well. And Norwich were just convinced that he was what they wanted. Um, have noticed uh, there's a lot of centre-halves who are now moving to England now and it seems... English clubs, I suppose, as um, one, one person involved in recruitment in Ireland had mentioned that English clubs, they're looking at attributes. So you're looking at like centre-backs, like all the ones you go, like Rory Feely, you know, Kieran Kelly, all the like. They're, they're all big, they're athletic, they're strong. And it's almost like we bring them over. I mean, even if they're a bit unpolished, we can sort that out. And Manny Adebayega falls into that category as well. But I think what he did at Drogheda convinced Norwich that he has it in him to step up a level where maybe they weren't convinced uh, with under-19s at Dundalk. It's a great move for him. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, The only blow for Drogheda is that they're losing him when they're not out of the playoff picture just yet. Yeah, that's the thing. And I suppose, you know, it's um, Cork and Shamrock Rovers are obviously speaking on Saturday. Cork, Shamrock Rovers, tomorrow Drogheda will be hoping Shamrock Rovers do them a favour there. But just, just very finally, it's turning into a bit of a title race that maybe has kind of crept up on people because Pats go within a point of, of Shamrock Rovers with that win on Friday night. There you're still in and around it, but at, at the minute it looks like Pats are the are the most likely to to really challenge Shamrock Rovers, and their their rise under John Daly after a poor start to the season under Tim Clancy has been has been really remarkable as well. And they're just you know Chris Forrester is on fire, top scorer in the league. Um, the the turnaround at Richmond Park has been incredible, really. Yeah, oh no, it's unbelievable. Like I remember talking to you earlier that this year uh, when Tim Clancy was manager, and it just felt like. Tim was eventually going to have to leave because any time they hit a bad result, the fans were just, you know, just on his back. And then you think, you know, replacing him with his, his number two, he was there. He like, was he part of the problem? Um, and it, it turns out he's been able to turn them around. Like they're such a hard working team. Um, not that they weren't under Tim either, but it's now more, it's now been more effective. Um, Owen Doyle obviously retires in the last month as well, but they're still just getting results. They've got good players. It, it, it's remarkable what they've done. Um, you didn't see that happening when John Daly took over. You thought they were just going to go on for another month and then bring in a new manager in and rebuild. But it's just been a funny season that you mentioned. Like I thought Shamrock Rovers were going to run away with it the way they always do once they get to the mid-season break, but they've just stalled completely. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a very interesting run and we'll see how it goes. Well, listen, Owen, thanks so much for taking the call. Uh, I know you're still on Australia time here, so I'm not sure how long you've been up for, but uh, we'll let you go there and we'll catch you again soon. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks a lot. LMFM Sunday Sport. With thanks to the LMFM app. Download for free now and take us with you everywhere you go. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.